The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So welcome again, everyone. It's nice to be together. I don't know about you, but I was kind of cloistered during the polar vortex. So it feels like still just the last few days, like there's a world, it's alive, and it's nice. So. Anyone here for the first time at Common Ground tonight? Welcome. Yeah, feel free to check in with me or Jean, program host, if you have any questions. But welcome. Maybe a good place to start if anyone has anything that uh, came up during the sit that feels. Um, confusing from the instructions, like clarification on what I said or um, something that was challenging and that, yeah, that you'd like any advice on or um, something that was interesting and then became clear or was clear and then became confusing. So maybe maybe time for a couple sharings. It's always I feel like such a valuable thing to hear directly. You know, really normalizes our experience. So anyone feel like sharing? And say your name if you don't mind. Uh name is Fred. Uh you were talking about the mind and the body. There was you were saying interconnection or something or I can't remember the word that it was mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. you're just wondering Explain. about yes. that uh-huh mm. yeah I mean there seems to be something that uh, we could call body seems to be a generally agreed upon word. We have the word in our lexicon. And uh, yeah, just what do we mean when we use that word? I think probably often, if you were to break it down percentage-wise, we think of, we have an idea, body, and it might be the external appearance of the body. It might be um, taking care of the body because it's not working and it's getting in the way of you know, it's painful or, you know. Um, one framework that I found interesting from, I think it's, I'm not sure where it is in the teachings, but Ajahn Suchito, I was on a month-long retreat, really fortunate to be on a month-long retreat with Ajahn Suchito, one of the senior monks in the Western lineage of the Thai forest tradition, which is one of the, main influences on the Western insight tradition that Common Ground is a part of. But anyways, he talked about, he talks a lot about embodiment, and uh, he talked about sort of three, uh, three kinds of form, and there's kind of the more dense form, and form is, kaya is the poly term, and um, so form is one translation, body, be another translation so the kind of the dense 
material body. You know, I touch my knee and I feel like there's something there, like just the same way I touch this platform and it feels like there's something there. So there's that. And then there's uh, kind of on the whole other end, immaterial form, which on my, uh, my limited understanding, I think what that's pointing to is sort of there's this whole world of mind, you could say. Like that also seems to be, we have that word mind, and that seems to be you know, a part of our lives, part of our experience, and there's clearly something there. Thoughts and emotions have a mental component and a physical component, and and just our thoughts and our and just you know imaginations and memories and planning. So that's immaterial. Doesn't uh, I it seems quite different. I can't touch it with my hands. And then there's sort of a middle one which is uh, the subtle material form, which if I'm just sitting here and I uh, decide, I get an instruction like, um, like energy or what is, you know, like moods or, you know, when, when I feel tired, where is that? When I feel energized, alive, where is that? When my heart feels open, when my heart feels closed, um, and when I feel contracted. You know, we, we have all these energetic knots we can often feel if we're a little sensitive at least, and or sometimes things feel good. There's just like a subtle vibration quality to the body. And so what's interesting is uh, Ajahn Suchita talked about that middle one of the uh, subtle material form as being a bridge between the immaterial form and the material form. Now that's kind of a complicated way of saying something which I think most of us know intuitively, which is, you know, we, we think about our to-do list or we think about something scary in our life and we feel our shoulders go up and we feel contracted or you know, and and the opposite when we think of someone we love, think of a, a, a memory of feeling safe, our shoulders come down and we feel more grounded and less, there's just less unnecessary energy and sort of that psychic, psycho-energetic armoring that is so interesting that we do that because it doesn't really protect us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just kind of it's the uh, uh, it's just a habit, you know, of getting tight. So, yeah, that's and yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of our life. Our life is that whole play, and embodiment and bodies is a nice reference point. Because in some ways it's easier to tune into, and it's it doesn't move as quickly as the mind. Um, yeah, and and it's here, 
I mean, it's, the mind's also here, but the thoughts in the mind can be about the future and the past or just about our speculations, and, and we forget that we're thinking, basically, and that's kind of a summary of most of our life. <laughs> and so, but the body doesn't think. The body isn't conceptual embodiment, you know, and, and that energetic quality, that more, which is really tied to the emotional life and the, and uh, just the sense of being present or not present and safe or not safe. So it's a really nice barometer, you know, for checking in with ourselves. It's just, just the most simple investigation is, you know, is the body, mind, is the energetic system, is it relaxed, is it tense, how's that, and what supports release, relaxation, what supports tension, and and like we do that because it's actually relevant to us. You know, it's it's a it's out of compassion, like because we're the we're the we're we're in here, like we're or it's us. You know, it, it matters. You know, it's not just it's not a theoretical exercise. It's oh, if there was something to do about if there is, you know, if it's like if there was another being. It's a relationship, right? There's this creature here, and it feels all the time. And what's our relationship to that? And a lot of time it's to be disconnected from that reality because it's intense. So, but the body's kind of one way to tune into that. And then, and we, and, and it's sensitive, and it responds to, uh, to everything, to the surroundings, but also to our minds and, and how we interpret. So that's why... You know, even just tuning into uh, w- memories of what it has felt like to feel more safe or to feel more grounded or to feel more loved. There's some memory of that stored that we can get more familiar with. And so then it's not just an idea, oh, peace is a nice idea, love is a nice idea, but these are realities and, and there's just different forces in the minds and kind of a big part of just, you know, how we work with things is understanding cause and effect, and and by giving attention in certain ways, we feed certain forces, and, and, uh, and generally appreciating. I like that word because it, uh, yeah, for me it kind of has an embodied feeling to it, like if I were to appreciate when I'm feeling good, you know, just generally, in whatever way, not just to, to take that for granted or, um, or look it over or try to hold on to it and, and then just think, oh, why am I feeling good? Oh, I want to keep doing that or keep setting that in motion, but just to feel good and like to really know that experience, let it register because it's actually not so much about particular conditions in our life lining up as it is about the mind putting down some burden of always needing to be on top of things or, you know, a lot of the time we find, you know, absence of neurotic activity, basically, and then there's just uh, things flowing more easily may not even always be comfortable but there's 
There's not kind of a block. That's a long answer. I hope <laughs> something in there was relevant to you. Thank you. Yeah. Any other um, reflections coming out of the sit or questions? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Did everyone hear it? We usually, I should have. Um, yeah, yeah. Did did everyone? Yeah, that's thanks, Mike. Yeah, it, yeah. So I should have remembered to use the mic because it's getting recorded too. So, like, maybe I'll just summarize for the recording <laughs> as much as I can. Um, yeah. So some reflections on how the body can hold. Basically, there's you know a famous book, "The Body Keeps the Score," about trauma, um, and we see that when we start being more mindful about that that connection, and we can be disconnected, you know, because our minds can really be caught up, but uh, but the body feels and stores, so keeps the score, and. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the limbic system, which I'm not super familiar with, but I think that's the older kind of fight flight. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even for those of us who, you know, have, have had relatively comfortable, loving you know, lives, and, but I think, yeah, and all the, I don't, most of the people I know seem to, we seem to be carrying, you know, whether you want to call it trauma or just a lifetime of tensing when when I don't need to tense, and just, I mean, I also reflect on, and Mark uh, the guiding teacher here talks about this too, like even if you know we've had a a lot of love and which is really supportive and but we're also sensitive and we're also uh you know embedded in society in the world where there's a lot of trauma and a lot of suffering so uh, so all that to say, yeah there's this is, you know, the word karma and the word samsara. So karma, you know, cause and effect. Things have momentum. A lot's been set in motion. A lot's been set in motion in this heart, in the world. And, uh, yeah, what do, we, what do we do about that?
Yeah, and I mean, one thing that was powerful about this month-long retreat, and a, a lot of the teachings were directing, directing us to this you know, lived experience in this very organic way. I think one thing that, that I don't often hear about in, in kind of this realm is the also, oh yeah, this is a good way of putting it. He, he talked about you know, kind of addressing Ajahn Suchito, addressing this point quite precisely. He was talking about energetic knots you know, as one way and just, <laughs> you know, we all, just how it's, it's not comfortable just to stand. And why is that? You know, it, the body's just standing. It's because there's energetic knots. You know, there's, it's emotional, psych, psychological, and, and just, but kind of the, the hope is, and this is how he put it, is that it's like those things, that they're blockages, and, uh, but, but we're still alive. So there's parts of the body, there's parts of the system that are still alive. They're still kind of resilient and, you know, pulsing. Or, and just more generally, like that sense of groundedness that I was speaking about. He also speaks about space, you know, like, like the space around us being non-intrusive as a perception that we can cultivate. Not that that's always going to feel like that or has always felt like that, but just to kind of bring all of that somatic information uh, into consciousness, that that's really relevant. It's really like, how does it feel being me? And that that's really relevant. And compassion. And not compassion as, you know, oh, yeah, compassion as an idea, like, but... I mean, someone said this once, and I don't know where it's from, but that we, we only know how to love from example. And so, yeah, that's kind of the predicament. And we haven't all gotten the same amount of love. But hopefully, and you know, if you're here tonight, hopefully we can tune in. And, you know, does it have to be personal or, you know, the, can we tune into some sense of benevolence, some sense of acceptance? I mean, even, and it's where, really wherever we can find that. It doesn't, you know, like, that these teachings have been offered, these teachings, these compassionate teachings to help us be happy all down the centuries that, you know, that someone extended a kind word. So hopefully, yeah, we can, and it's, you know, it's not easy, but basically, I mean, that's my understanding is there's no silver bullet. It's like, yeah, yeah. And, and some people probably, I mean, and we see this, and we see it in ourselves sometimes where we, we're stuck, and some people are stuck. But, and, you know, yeah, so it really can break our heart. But, you know, that's kind of the whole motivation. Like, that's, you know, what to do with my life. Well, it's kind of, there's already a lot in motion, and my heart already cares, and, and it's really interested in whether there's something to be done about suffering, 
And that's kind of the whole, the whole thing. And, and it's a beautiful intention. So wherever we can touch into the beautiful, even if it's just the beautiful that I care, I don't know what to do, but I care, and I'm willing to, to feel that and to be sensitive to that. Oh, and other people are also in the same predicament. You know, they're also not in control. They also have sensitive hearts. It's kind of like, that's kind of it. We're all in the same boat, and can we help each other? I mean, you know, it's like, oh, and that, I mean, it sounds small, but it's actually like to align with goodness. Yeah, it doesn't always feel like that's the winning winning side. (laughs) But it's the beautiful side. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. You have a thought, Leah? Yeah. I was thinking about your first question and then your question as well. So I feel like I got in touch with my body here at Common Ground and coming into this space and practicing yoga um, with Myra and Nancy and just kind of learning what that felt like to be in my body and I remember just laying on the floor over there and crying because I had I, I realized I have never been in my body I just wasn't I just wasn't in my body and then when I felt it it was like whoa this this is it so and that was only a couple years ago um but there's that continual exploration with, with these great teachers that we have right here. And one of the classes is on Sunday, right before this was a class that Nancy teaches, um, Mindful Yoga and Deep Relaxation. But it's, it's actually the yoga's a prep to relax. And it's this whole journey that she walks us through in, with our body. So if you're ever curious and just like open to that, you could come to that class, and even if you, you don't feel like you could do yoga, you could just do what you could do or, or sit there. You could practice on the floor. You could sit however you're comfortable. Um, but, yeah, really, really generous gift to self. And every time I come here, like you were saying, what about meditation and, and that connection to your body and at the same time as I was getting in touch with my body with yoga, my therapist was walking through my body and telling me, "Is it? where do you feel it in my body? And I would feel, oh, it's always on my shoulder. And she would say, is it okay to relax the muscles around your shoulder or around the spot that it's like really tense? Like, it's okay to relax. And I, we would just do that and I would... And that's what I feel like meditation is, too. It's like a gift to myself, a permission to let go. It's safe. We're so fortunate. There's, there could be chaos at our home or wherever in our work, but maybe right here, maybe right now, we could relax a little bit more. So that's where I feel like meditation is just such an invitation to release Thanks, Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Amber. Um, I was thinking, actually, I'm doing a lot of stuff with a a 12-step program along with mindfulness, and one of the things with the trauma that I'm finding when I'm sitting is um, 
and what's been really wonderful in some of the teachings that I've been listening to is, um, <laughs> you know, when I'm sitting and I feel pain, one of those knots, whatever that may be, and uh, you hear this a lot in the teachings through insight, is you feel it and to think it, and instead of backing away from it, which being an addict or being any, and a human, I think you automatically are like, oh, nope, I don't want to feel that, I'm going to move on. But instead, to really look at it and feel it and say, is that okay? And I think a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to hurt or allow ourselves to feel pain or allow ourselves to have trauma because no, that's not good. And you know, sometimes it's healing to just be like, wow, I, I feel that and it's there. And it'll pass and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't right now, but eventually it does. And I think recognizing this has been a long journey for me going through recovery and coming into mindfulness and Buddhism but recognizing that, yeah, that hurts, and that's okay. Maybe it won't hurt tomorrow, maybe it will. Um, so I think when I talk about my trauma or my things that I definitely carry around in my body, it's actually kind of nice sometimes to be like, yeah, that hurts. Okay, that's all right. Mm. Thanks, Amber. Yeah, that makes me think of just like part of what's in motion, part of what the momentum is, is ideas that we have like yeah, that we should be happy all the time or or that we need to, you know, kind of struggle and um, you know, judge ourselves and but yeah, like that simple being with What's hard? Yeah, it 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 feels good because it's acknowledging what's real, and you know, so that you know that basic distinction between what's real and our ideals, which can be very nice ideals, like I should you know be good, a good person, and what does that mean, and who told us that, and how did they tell us that? I really liked this, this kind of, again, coming from this retreat I did, but this idea that we're not blank slates and, and every moment we're bringing everything, you know, all our conditioning to that, including everything, including meditation. You know, and uh, so like, yeah, I liked it because it was kind of less about you know, oh, what is this? You know, this new thing I'm I'm gonna do as a self project, this meditation thing, and I gotta read all the books and and you know figure this out. As opposed to, you know, it's not about creating anything or uh, figuring anything out, because the reality is there's a we're not blank slates. Like there's already a lot moving, and it's really relevant. And there's a lot of a lot a lot of what's moving is. Our thoughts and our ideas, and that, you know, it really those really have a big impact on on our lives. And if they're out of balance, if they're you know, if they're ideas that didn't come from a lot of wisdom, like I shouldn't feel pain <laughs> as an idea, like 
<laughs> yeah, that's really gonna that's really gonna cause a lot of suffering because it's out of alignment. So I mean, I think so much of kind of the initial work just and you know can take I don't know I mean it takes as long as it takes and and it's really beautiful work. But you know, it's just that seeing all the ways that that we that we're not real. We don't think we can be real. We don't think we can, or we're not able to be real. And, and uh, yeah, like you were saying, how healing it is, even if we can't do it all the time, because we probably can't do it all the time, because there is, yeah. But just in the mind, that correction of view, that it doesn't make sense to run from what's real, and to have that sort of courage and that, you know, inspiration, and then to do that with others, you know, like you just did, to like normalize that. It's like grounding and gives us somewhere to stand, you know, as opposed to standing on, yeah, on kind of comparing and ideals and trying to be something. It's like, well, if I'm going to be something, I'll just be a suffering human being like everyone else. That's, you know, I kind of, I'll, you know, I'll be in that tribe, and uh, yeah, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, collaborating, I like that word, just as a general approach to life, <laughs> and I've been collaborating on like music more, and, but just everything, like we're either collaborating with reality, you know, oh yeah, sometimes there's pain, can I... How would I collaborate with that reality? Not, you know, well, yeah, it's hard sometimes, and I take care of myself, and when it doesn't seem like I can do anything, I accept that. But, you know, just that basic, you know, collaboration versus competition or um, domination, which I think is a big one, especially, maybe, especially in this society and just, you know, relationship to nature and and just to our bodies and to our lives like being dominated by our ideas and our plans and our schedules and as opposed to just the rhythms of being alive and those just the natural expressions of uh, a human creature with you know all its attendant difficulties and you know it's not always pretty. It's not always neat. It's not always straight. So, did you have a thought? Yeah, thank you. Um, I always know when I'm supposed to speak when my heart like stop doesn't stop racing. Mm. Um, so that's something I'm noticing in my body right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the feelings of um, groundedness. Um, I felt when you were talking about groundedness, this sense of like my body as a a like piece of clay on top of Mama Gaia, on top of Mother Earth, as I know her, and trying like and just kind of like sinking into her and allowing her to support me um, in in the in the influx of you know the the thoughts that are going through my mind and the 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 energy that's going through my body that has to do with you know um, noticing 
certain fears in particular for me around like speaking and um, the throat chakra the, the throat like um, just knowing that there's deep um, needs for how I'm supposed to serve and what I'm supposed to be speaking about um, to whoever is supposed to be hearing but like I can sense this like silencing of my own self um, that I'm really wanting to work to work on and through um, and just like feeling that sense of fear um, and, and trying to instead of push it away or change it right away just try and like sit with it right um, so that it can transform on its own into what it has into what I can try and be easeful about it um, that's one of my major intentions for this year is as a person who is tends to be extremely hard on myself um, and pushing myself for X, Y, and Z accomplishments. I'm like, okay, what do I, how do I keep like relating to my own energy and, you know, that like body form, like you're saying, or the thought form, the middle space of like the energy thought forms that I can feel are block being blocked right now. How can I, how can I, um, relate to my own self with kindness and, and ease and compassion? It's a really, um, big intention for me this year so thank you for um kind of grounding that sense of groundedness in yeah you mind saying your name adrian thanks adrian yeah maybe i'll read a a poem from ajahn suchito I'll read this one. It's called The Island. There's a mountain that stands for everything. There's a valley that empties everything. There's a sky that blesses everything. There's an earth that gives back everything. There's a muttering over the maps and charts that runs calling across the hopeful world and ransacks howling the jeweled cosmos. The abyss sucks it whimpering back. Then where could attention surrender? But there's the near side of nowhere, intimate, dangerous, untrodden, the abundant, Yours, mine, everything's. <laughs> I love Ajahn Suchita. I really recommend him. And uh, yeah, maybe bring in this element of mystery, which you know. The poem may not have made complete sense, but maybe it, you know, stirred something, some memory, some feeling. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he talked a lot about chitta, which is a Pali word. Uh, could translate it as mind heart. I mean, you could translate it as uh, sensitivity, the basic sensitivity. Whatever it is, if we, in that poem that we heard something that stirred something, it's the place where that happens. It's kind of the most basic uh, sensitivity. simpler than thinking and concepts. It's what gets impacted. It's what feels. So it's kind of that, you know, kind of that really vulnerable animal part. It's the part that feels safe or that doesn't feel safe. And and it's always sensitive. And it's just that sensitivity. Like, we we often, we want to know, well, what is it? Or you know, or we, we want to build edifices around that. And, and that's generally how we try to feel safe, is through having nice edifices. And those can be, you know, good edifices, like good ideas, good self-views, basically. And uh, he talked about how but that, that more basic part is like it, it's not really satisfied by those edifices. It just wants release. And yeah, just to kind of tune in and live from that place, I mean, that, that's a challenge. He talks about how it doesn't, chitta doesn't move forward in time or move in place. It just moves in terms of those basic forces of release and contraction. And and how important is that to us? And, you know, like it can almost feel like, well, that's, not that relevant, how I feel. <laughs> but I don't think it's just how I feel. It's how I am. It's what I am. And how I understand that is going to basically determine everything else. How... I am how I show up, how I'm in relationship. And it's mysterious. So what's our relationship to mystery, (laughs) to not knowing? And generally we don't like it. We like to know. And that's okay. We can appreciate that. I mean, it's there for a reason. It's built in, you know, that wanting ground. And so we don't deny that we want ground. We just feel it instead of thinking about it. Instead of trying to defend ourselves from it, we, we feel it. Yeah, you want ground. Well, maybe there's a little ground. Maybe there's a little more ground in 
knowing that I want ground and in denying that I want ground. And maybe there's ultimate ground in letting go of the need for ground because then it's it's okay. It's just a, just things unfolding. But that's that's hard. <laughs> I think Robert, you had a thought? Yeah. Someone bring the mic over to Robert. Oh, you have it. Great. Uh, hi, Robert. Um, this afternoon, I'm, I'm kind of a television addict, and I was looking at um, coverage from the sinking of a ship in um, during World War II, just before the end of World War II in Indianapolis. And um, there were survivors who were telling their story. And after that was over, I just happened to turn to the football game and the national anthem was being sung by Gladys Knight. And, and the military Thunderbirds in, in formation flew over at the end of that. And between looking at the coverage of the men who survived this ship and remembering that I have two uncles that one served and landed on the beaches of Normandy and another one served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. And I served in uh, the Air Force during the Vietnam era. I was drafted. I didn't see combat, no. Um, as the planes went over, I welled up with tears. Um, I think I just overloaded. And it was, I mean, I felt good about that, uh, having that experience. Um, and I think it relates to some of what you've just said and some other people have said. Um, I didn't see combat, but I can relate. And um, I can certainly relate to the stories I've heard from my uncles, both on my mother's side and my father's side. And um, that was my experience this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a nice example of sensitivity and vulnerability. And like we, if we're open, what wouldn't touch our hearts? I mean, it's just, this is a tender realm that we're born into everywhere we look, you know. There's stories and there's, yeah, it's like, it's not, that's why it's not easy being sensitive and open. But like you said, it's beautiful. And it's like, that's, that's our exploration. And, and it's okay that it takes time and, and uh, that's part of it is that patience like uh, I'll open and then I'll close and I'll open and then I'll close yeah. thanks for sharing that Robert got time for a couple more comments anyone else feels inspired to share about being a sensitive something I'm Brad. <clears throat> I had an ex experience. I went out to breakfast with a friend last week, and um, he's always fun to sit with. So I was waiting for him, and there was a fellow next in the next booth talking very loudly on his phone. So my friend came in and sat down, and we exchanged pleasantries. 
and he turned around and shushed the guy behind him. And then all of a sudden he was telling me he was going to uh, beat him up. He was, he was being much more uh, descriptive. And I thought, where did that come from? I know he came in in a good mood. And we were talking earlier about pre- previous traumas or things that happened to us that trigger us or that we were really unaware of and then something happens. So I thought, well, this wasn't part of my morning plan. <laughs> so, so I said, hold it, Frank. And I went over and I said to the fellow, nicely, and he said, I'm very sorry, and that was the end of that. Uh, but I was shocked at my, my friend who, this is not his normal behavior, but um, somewhere, this, this is a real part of him. And it, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive, but I also see this in myself at times. So it just reminded me that uh, I have my, I'm sensitive to things, but sometimes I, I need to be a little more careful. And, I was, and nothing came of it. I was very happy it diffused him. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of a great example of, you know, again, like that vulnerability, and we we never know, you know, what's going to come up. And uh, yeah, like, and yeah, a few a few reflections that just come out of my own experience, like not being shocked. Or at least, you know, there might be shock and there might be, like, disappointment or, like, I don't want to deal with this. But when I'm honest, uh, it's not surprising. Like that, and that actually is helpful to understand that, like you were saying, like, even though you didn't understand, you understood that it was, you didn't understand you know, the specifics of why your friend got so upset. You, it helped you to know, well, yeah, there's probably... It's happened, so there's something. Like, just to understand that, yeah, and we may not always know, and then it kind of surprises us in ourselves, but then we, then we know. Oh, and we may not completely understand it, but I don't think that's always that important to understand all the particulars. I think it, it can be, but, you know, the immediate thing is, oh, yeah, I guess there's still some, you know, some... Uh, Frayed edges, or some, uh, yeah, some triggers, and uh, and now it's there, and now it's here, and so just kind of that basic point that I think Amber was making, like it's not really that shocking, and yet we can feel betrayed, like oh, I was having, I wanted to have a nice morning, but yeah, okay, this happens, and yeah, so there we get to see the relationship right away, and. And yeah, I feel like that understanding, just normalizing, uh, and even, yeah, that it's just <laughs> in one of uh, Ajahn Suchito's books, a really nice little book that, but and you can find it online called uh, "Unseating the Inner Tyrant." A lot about just that habit a lot of us have of being hard on ourselves, and uh, has <coughs> one of the little sections is called. Um, daily panic isn't personal. <laughs> and he talks a little bit about like kind of putting it in the context of modern society where 
There's a lot of pressure for a lot of us and a lot of activity and um, a lot of contact with people we don't know and all of those things from an evolutionary psychology point of view are, you know, frightening. So just that, yeah, just normalizing that is useful. From my practice here, I, I can distinctly remember initially being irritated by it and thinking that there isn't any good reason for it to be irritating. It's just noise. And so that was my mindset up until uh, something further was said. I really like the phrase habit energy. I just felt inspired to share just a tiny bit of my experience um, because a few people tonight have talked about clarity through meditation after surviving trauma. And uh, I had a traumatic experience some years ago that it changed my life permanently and I thought it was a negative change. Um, It took me a long time to make peace with it and forgive and let go. Um, And I think meditation was the catalyst for that reaching that goal of forgiveness and and making peace and letting go. And it it took a lot of persistence, a lot of hard work and a long time. But once I finally got closer to that place, two things happened. I, I found it was a lot easier to forgive myself. And I had all this gratitude for this horrible thing that had happened because now I, I have a lot of inner peace that I didn't have before. Um, but I couldn't have done it without a really consistent spiritual practice. And, uh, and I, I think it, it pretty much started here. Um, so I just, I just wanted to share that cause I think a, a few other people in the room have experienced something similar. So thank you. Thanks. Can you share your name? Matt. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Time for one more, or a couple more. People have thoughts, questions from anything I've said. You can just tune into our. Yeah. I'm always uh, trying to find new ways of being able to um, find a pragmatic way to explain to them the benefits of meditation because I feel like that's the only way to get the knowledge of self. And once you do that, you are able to parent mindfully versus just retrieve to the things that you know so you can pass on the trauma. You know, you may stop and be mindful so you may not pass on the trauma. Or things mm. like that. But thanks, everyone. appreciate it. Maybe I'll read another poem. Okay, I'll read this one. It's called Homeward Journey. It's by Ajahn Suchito again. Traveling, the location gets smaller. A lodge, a room, a train, a car. 
at the airport, it had come down to my worn immediacy and zip-up bag, and that lighter and less important now, with the return label dangling down like a notification of terminal disease. And how much, then, does anything weigh? Half my world goes down the belt. And in exchange, a right to passage, a gate and seat are granted. And so it's time to cram with fellow dislocated cells inside the hull, get comforted, get made secure. The ground withdraws and our lives suspend, like verbs become nouns, abstract, common, inflections sealed under a pressure, through which remote stewards flitter, bearing consolations wrapped in plastic. I turn down the lot, let senses float and pivot around a centering pulse, and under the glass of my name and number feel a resonance, this homeless tribe, this unloved night, this journeying on, strapped down in space, onwards, nowhere, and I am dropping open, eight miles up, above the skin of restless nations. Destination, the shared lost planet. Shine on our planet under a pilgrim star. Homewards is the farthest journey. Orbiting, off track, letting go. The lurch, then the lift, snug into vastness. Let's just let go of the words and take a couple breaths together. Appreciating being in community. With all that's moving. Hopefully touching some some sense of honoring that sensitivity and feeling inspired or interested in being able to deal with that sensitivity and hold that, not just for our own benefit, but for all the sensitive beings everywhere, just sensing how mm, how important it is, our work that we're doing, and appreciating that, appreciating ourselves and each other, and letting that support us to continue. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.